delighted to welcome Sarah Bacon, who began as an EFL teacher and went on into school and FE management, latterly with King's Education, for 20 years. She established a bespoke educational guardianship company with the aim of making a difference to every child in her care. Oxford Guardians has established a reputation for close support and care for the international students and their families. The company works with over 60 schools, universities and colleges, providing guardianships to around 100 students each year aged 7 to 20. Oxford Guardians communicates with parents through its range of native speakers, including Chinese, Iranian, Russian, Korean, Arabic, French, Spanish and Portuguese. She will tell us more about why internationals must have a guardian. Uh, so I am delighted to ask Sarah to answer some questions about guardianship and about her company and what they do uh, to help internationals uh, who settle into this country. Thank you very much Felicity, it's lovely to be here. So can you tell us about your agency, Oxford Guardians, how many schools you work with, what sort of distances your host families are to the schools? general background really yeah well the name Oxford Guardians probably sort of is the first thing I should start with I worked in Oxford when I came back from overseas I worked very happily and with a group of colleges there and latterly I was the academic director and before that I was the vice principal in the college and I set up the guardianship agency primarily because I could see there was a need um, obviously all the children in our school have guardians mm -hmm. As a vice principal in the early days, I had to follow up how the children were doing academically. And very often I felt that there would be, the, the child could be better supported. There was somebody external also lending some weight to what we were saying. And I would try to get hold of guardians. And in many cases, the guardians were simply not there. They were quite literally names on a piece of paper as opposed to being active. And when I did ask where they were, they were in Edinburgh or some far flung place, which was absolutely no good. And I actually felt, Felicity, this was, this was quite a travesty. These guardians are appointed to actually support the children. And if they're a name on a piece of paper, that isn't where it should be. And so it was really at that time, this is around about 2008, 2009, that's when I decided to set up the guardianship company, very much with a view to being there for the child and, and obviously for those people around the child who are supporting the child. And so the agency was formally set up in 2009. I'd previously dipped my toe in guardianship because 10 years before my brother had got a Vietnamese businessman friend and who's putting his child into Bromsgrove and when the father, Vietnamese father got to Bromsgrove they said where's the guardian and the, this Vietnamese business friend of my brother said I don't know I don't know but I will ask my friend and so my brother said Sarah will you be guardian and from from then I started a little journey of guardianship with the child that sometimes took me around the country, made me tear my hair out, but I'm happy to say is now running a bank in, um, in Vietnam. So all, all's well that ends well, and he came out well. <laughs> and I can't believe it in some ways, that was 23 years ago. So we set up the guardianship company, I set up the guardianship company in 2009, I'm primarily with the aim of giving an individualized service to children to listen to what they need and to try and respond to that and whatever that might be. Perhaps we'll have an opportunity to say a bit more about that later, but sometimes children just they need for academic support, for pastoral support, for health support, all sorts of things come through. So you go in with a general package of guardianship, but invariably you end up actually really personalising it to what the child needs. Um, you asked there about, um, about how far our homestays are um, from, uh, from, from, where, uh, from the schools. And, well, we have homestays and guardians, so we make a sort of a slight 
uh, well, no distinction between them. But in answer to your question, whether children will go for their exits and whether they will go for their half terms, we try and make this as close as possible to where they're studying unless they ask to go somewhere else. And we do find some of our older children, they like perhaps to sort of, if they've been in the countryside, they like to go to a city, or they might even like to go to London or Manchester or somewhere like that. So we have guardians and homestays all around the country. And so where we can, we'll respond to that because if they're having a half term and perhaps they want to go and visit a university locally, we'll put them into, um, put them into a homestay in another city if they want to do that as well. That sounds uh, like tremendous flexibility and accommodation for their needs. Um, can you uh, describe the role uh, that's dis distinguished between the guardian and the homestay family? Well, one of the things that I should say, say straight away is that guardianship um, companies like ourselves, we are educational guardians rather than legal guardians. It's very important to distinguish between educational guardians and also, uh, uh, and also legal guardians. So educational, as educational guardians, we will be um, making sure that the child can follow their studies well. Uh, we will be able to talk to the school, we hope, in a meaningful way. And so the people we choose to be our educational guardians will very often be people who have a background in teaching or in working with international students in other roles, usually within a school or college setting. Sometimes we also have guardians who have a nursing background because we may, before the child comes, know that there is a, a medical issue that needs to be dealt with. So we have two of our guardians, in fact, have nursing backgrounds as well as international. Um, a homestay is the role of a homestay and the distinction for us is a homestay is somewhere where a child should go and feel part of the family, feel wanted, feel that they arrive at the homestay family and back to a place that I know and they feel comfortable and they relax mm -hmm. because very often our superb schools, they do so much with them during the week that the children at the weekends, they just want to really relax and have some rest time. Not always, you know, sometimes they actually, they've got some assignments to do, they've got some exams coming up. So we also make sure that our homestays, not only are they welcoming, they're, they're the places where a child should feel relaxed, but also places where um, the homestay listens to what the child needs. Um, and if a child is going to be studying for exams, so, you know, we will always make sure that uh, there's a proper desk and a place where a child can study, usually in their room, so they have somewhere quiet where they can go to study. And some of our guardians are homestays as well. Um, so we have about half of our guardians host as well as being guardians. Oh, that's tremendous. Thank you. So um, I think one of the distinctive things was that um, you like to visit the children at school. Um, and certainly for the younger children, that's uh, perhaps a slightly more expensive package, but does at least ensure children have settled in. Um, mm. Would you like to make a comment about that? Absolutely. Well, we'd, we originally had one package of guardianship. Um, and then over the years, we've realised that children do have different needs and some need more support than others. We will always visit our children. So even our minimum package, which we call our basic package, is seven visits a year with three visits in the first term. And our middle package, a main package, is five visits in the first term and four or five visits in the second and third term. And then our premium uh, guardianship is visiting the child seven or eight times a term. Um, we think it's terribly important to get to know the child. This is why we will always, always visit the child. But we also recognize that as children get older, they may not need as many visits. Um, and whereas in contrast, younger children coming in, they're missing mum and dad an awful lot. So a guardian going in, taking a child out for a hot chocolate, just having a little walk with them, maybe going out with the dog for a little walk with them and um, just having a nice little chat, 
regularly is something that our younger children really look forward to. And although we can never replace parents, we hope that we can give them some kind of pastoral support that will make them feel comfortable. But we also use our premium package for children who may have very specific needs. So we have children who we know before they come may need more attention and they could be older children. And so we have, you know, we might have a child of 17 on a premium package because we know that they may be suffering slightly from depression and this kind of thing. And their parents have requested the higher level of package. So we talk to the parents about what the best package is. We leave the parents to choose. We will recommend certain packages if we feel it's appropriate. And we, we are flexible. We might ha have a child starting on a higher package for the first term and then going to another package. We really want to listen to what the child needs yes well that's uh, lovely thank you very much indeed um you describe your guardians as aunts and uncles rather than parents and yourself as a great aunt um <laughs> what do you mean by that well i think great aunt because of my age actually i think i was you know, considerably younger when i started the guardianship but um, I, think it's, I think it's very important to recognise that we don't replace parents. Um, we are there, we hope to build a good relationship with the child, so the child trusts us and the child will talk to us. But the role is an advisory role at all, at all times. So I would like to think of our guardians as aunts and uncles, probably more aunts and uncles. And um, I would also hope that all of our children will know me, that I will go round and I'll be able to visit them in the course of their first year if not first term um, and then I will always be a backup for our guardians because invariably our guardians might be sick our guardians might be away for a weekend and something may come up and it does and if that happens then I would step in and be the other person that the child would contact or the home state would contact if they, if they needed to and I also step in very much um, with older children um, if they're going on to university to give advice at, at that level because my background is very much in university counselling and, um, and the academic side of looking after international students and sadly I also have to step in if we have any suspensions um, which do happen for all sorts of reasons but also we might have children who have infectious diseases like chickenpox and they need to sort of go somewhere for a couple of weeks so so I will step in and be in contact with the children, but their immediate contact is their local guardian um, for the reasons that I've said. Yes. yes, yes, that's very helpful. So what you found as an agency is the ideal way to support the children. Are there certain times that you think it's important for a guardian to be present at the school? Yeah. So uh, obviously parents' evenings and uh, perhaps when there's homesickness at the beginning, mm. maybe... Uh, other times of the year. What, what have you found has been very good? Of course, maybe uh, individual as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, Felicity. You're, you're absolutely right. We, we will always go to parents' evenings. That for us is terribly important because it allows us to talk to the teachers and to hear how the how the child is getting on. Um, and where we can, we want the child with us as well, so that afterwards we can talk to the child about what's been what's been said. And that's integral to all of our guardianship mm -hmm. packages, so to speak. But we start the visits to the school before the child gets there, if we possibly can. So we right. like to go the term before um, to meet the house parents um, to find out a little bit about the context that the child will be going into so mm -hmm. over the preceding summer we can be talking to the child starting to prepare them and obviously at that point sort of even then starting to build our relationship with the child but then we like to be there at the start of term um, to help with the 
unpacking, uh, finding the dorm, unpacking, going for the house parents talk or whatever it might be. Um, and that depends. Sometimes the parents like to do that on their own. Sometimes they like to do it with us. But we would always meet the parent and the child, whether in school or out of school at the start of term, and possibly for uniform fitting as well. But then once the parent's gone, we like to go in pretty soon after that, if we can, within seven or 10 days, because that's when the child may suddenly feel, ooh, I'm yeah. on my own sort of idea. Yeah. And, um, and we want to say, you know, you're not, you're in an amazing school, you've got all the support from your house parents, but yeah. we'll pop in and we'll check the house parents, how the child yeah. is set on. So we do do, we, we do quite a lot at the beginning of term to make sure the child realizes we're there and to keep good contact. Then we will go and visit the child for specific occasions, it may be that it might be sports matches, it may be they're performing in, in something particular. Um, and, but also, if the child needs us to go in, then we will, then we will go in as well. So um, there are specific times in the year we'd go in, but we would also find out if there was any specific time. The house parent might say the child's feeling a little homesick. And I can remember um, just over a year ago in September, we had the young Thai girl starting in uh, year nine, a, a very well-known boarding school, very lovely house parents, but she was incredibly homesick. And the parents kept saying to me, Sarah, she's very homesick. And I think within the first three weeks, I'd been in nine times to see her. Mm -hmm. uh, with the agreement with the house parents because they also wanted her to have a shoulder to cry on somebody to take her out for a little bit and she settles and she's now an incredibly happy child and I often say to our guardian sometimes we have to front load it quite a lot we have to do a lot at the beginning um, yes. and then the child will settle and that's wonderful to see so yes. Um, yeah so that's lovely thank you very much um can you explain the role of aegis Aegis is basically the standard by which guardianship organisations or some guardianship organisations want to um, set for themselves. Um, and uh, when we were starting our guardianship company, we hoped we were doing a very good job. But then we looked and we saw that Aegis was basically the standard in, in our industry um, for uh, guardianship companies. It's an accreditation organization. Like any accreditation organization, it will come in um, every three or four years to look at what we are doing and checking that we're doing things in the right way. And in previous roles, having taken schools through Ofsted and, and other accreditation uh, uh, accreditations, um, and the ISI as well. We um, we're used to having we're used to going through an accreditation process and seeing the value in it because you might think you're doing a great job, but someone might say, "But have you thought of this?" Um, hopefully, um, we we study the standards well. We make sure that we are ahead of the game and we we don't usually have any problems with being sort of things being pointed out. But it's so useful and I think it's terribly useful for schools and for parents to know that these standards are set and the standards get higher and higher we're asked to think about more and more things and quite honestly I appreciate it we are dealing with children and we are dealing with children in our own context in our own homestays we're taking them out on visits we absolutely need to make sure we adhere to certain standards and our parents need to know that we are as well so it have the role of accrediting organizations and I I think there's about 40 guardianship organizations out of perhaps 600 that are accredited. Um, they also have a role um, in that they are an organization parents can go to, schools can go to, to, uh, for, to request guardianship. Um, and I should say that schools will recommend parents to Aegis rather than schools going to Aegis to provide guardians for the schools. So parents will then write to Aegis and just then forward the, uh, that communication on to the companies, the Accredited companies and those companies that feel that they have a guardianship that offer that would suit the child 
often that depends on location um, they will then respond to the parents so that's rather nice the parents can choose between different companies um, and also EGIS have a very important role in representing guardianship companies and this has been very important recently as I'm sure you can imagine with the coronavirus um, pandemic um, and I think for all of us for guardians for schools for parents it's been unknown territory about how we deal with it and I think this is this continues to change and they were very supportive and um, we had an instance before uh, before the Easter holidays in March where we had a school rang one of our guardians and said would you take the child out of school she has COVID-19 symptoms please could you remove her and the guardian called me and said Sarah of course I'll take the child out but she said my husband's diabetic and I feel a little bit vulnerable and immediately I said thank you but you'll, you won't take the child out I will take the child out so I went to take the child I went and isolated with the child until the father arrived the father arrived and took over um, and then I came back to my own house where I continued to isolate um, so I was in a bedroom um, and I continued to work from there money also brought uh, brought to me um, that was that was fine um, no uh, you know obviously I wanted to make sure my first concern was the child until the father got there but I think this is something that we're continuing to discuss with schools where the roles are of school and of guardianship company and this is where Aegis have been so helpful because they have been talking to the Department of Education talking to schools and I think that we're arriving now at a, at a consensus where schools are saying yes if a child has COVID-19 symptoms in the future from September then they will retain the child child in the in the schools uh, for that because of the pandemic nature of not wanting to push that out into the community and in so doing then limiting those people in the community as to what they can do so that's an example of where Aegis have supported and I'm sure Aegis will support in 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 yeah. in many other ways and they have done mm. yes yes that's that's great thank you so how do you find the families or how do um, they find you well, I would say most often by word of mouth, which yes. is the which is the the best way because if it's word of mouth, then it's through current guardians or current homestay families, and that's absolutely lovely because that is a sort of a uh, that if you like is an informal recommendation in itself yes. before we actually get to all our processes of vetting families and things. Um, sometimes families will just look us up and say, "Oh, guardianship Oxford, yes, let me let me apply." Um, it, always, it always amazes me that they apply to Oxford guardians from. Manchester and other places but they do because we do work all over the all over the country um, and and sometimes schools will have um, people that are saying they want to be um, guardians or homestays and then they will sort of suggest that they contact us so that's generally how we find our families well, that's that's helpful thank you so um, how things obviously there was that one particular issue um, that you had to deal with with the COVID crisis um, how do you think things will work out in the coming two years? We're starting to see, I think, already how schools are responding. And obviously, all the time we're getting school communications. Mm -hmm. So from a school point of view, we're starting to see schools make offers, for example, international students coming two weeks early to quarantine at school, students being able to stay in the school for the exits. And for the um, and for the half terms, which is very reassuring for Chinese parents. But it's very difficult to know. I think the government all the time are slightly tweaking things, changing things. You know, it's still not certain that we will have two weeks of quarantine um, for I 
I don't believe it is as I speak but it looks likely that that will be the case so we'll have to deal with that um, we also have to deal with whether the online learning will continue next term or not we don't know um, I do think the guardians have a role to play there and we've certainly played a very active role mm. making sure that our children connect with the online learning making sure our children are managing their routine especially if they're mm. seven or eight hours ahead or indeed eight hours behind we have some children mm. in North America um, and we're sort of helping them to manage their routines mm. and working with the schools and obviously dealing with things like what's happening to their belongings and other things like that but we all hope that in September the children will be will be back um, we all hope that um, the guardianship and the schools and parents will all be very happy with the arrangements that are that are made. We do recognise that some schools are very small, so quarantining before a student arrives may be difficult. And this again is where Aegis is very helpful because Aegis guardianship companies are looking at this together, how they might deal with it. I think other companies like ourselves will have families that will quarantine children. But in quarantine, we need a child to have a separate bathroom and, and other measures in place. So it's not going to be every family that will be able to quarantine a child. So, um, so we're, we're, we're keeping an eye um, on things, you know, sort of, <laughs> We look at every email that comes in from schools to see how they're dealing with it. Uh, we watch to see what Boris is going to do next. And, yeah. um, and I, but I do feel that um, there is very much a growing together of schools and the guardianship so that we, we can put on the best, um, the best possible, um, I was going to say options, but not really that. We can put, put on the best possible offer for parents because they are very, very worried about their children coming back and I think that we recognize, recognize that and um, we need to make sure that they feel secure in their children coming, coming, yes. coming back. Well I think the, the interim time could be very challenging but I long-term future um, the schools have, have managed so well adapted so well. Oh they have, the online learning has been fantastic. Yes I, I, I understand from recent research that um, British Council and uh, COBIS uh, have had an extraordinary number of inquiries from people from overseas who'd like to come and study uh, in this country. So um, notwithstanding the, the virus, so I think that's very encouraging and exciting. I absolutely agree. It, it is, and it's, it is it's all credit to what has been going on. The schools had three weeks to adapt to the online, and I'm, I'm amazed that they managed it as well as they did. Yes. One final question, I think. Um, do you have any form of induction for your either your guardians or your host families? Or is it the fact that they've had international experience really sufficient? Um, Yes, absolutely. We, we have an induction. We have quite an in-depth process of um, when, it, when a person presents themselves uh, to apply for to be a guardian and to be a homestay. And not everyone by any means becomes a guardian or a homestay. Uh, we have several conversations to make sure it's right, make sure they understand what the role is. And then we will go and visit um, the guardian or the homestay. And we will carry out, uh, if they are going to host, uh, a thorough risk assessment. But also we carry out what we call a safeguarding interview to sort of go through things that we would expect to find out how they would respond. We don't necessarily expect them to have all the answers, um, but prior to our visit, we will send them our handbook. We have a handbook for guardians and a handbook for hosts, and we have a handbook for parents and students. So we'll send them the information about ourselves. We'll go through as much as possible. If at the end of the process, they are still, we still want them and they still want, our, want to work with us, at that stage, we will then arrange an induction with them. Um, if we have other 
you guys will have a new host then we will do the induction together because we mm -hmm. will do that induction online mm -hmm. because what we want is at the induction I will be present at the induction and then our, uh, the person who, uh, who organizes all our homestay families, they will be present at the induction as well. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and the induction will go through all the usual things that um, all the checks, the balances, the discussions about what to do in that scenario. We also try as much as possible to anticipate uh, the things that might come up um, with a student. We will send every guardian and homestay family will have a care folder of information about the student from what they like doing to what they like eating to any allergies they have all sorts of things we have in that so that they are as aware as we can be that care folder is updated as we get to know the get to know the student more we also have the resource of having native um, native speakers and that's very helpful very often we are working with guidance and homestay hosts who have worked for many years in an international context either as a teacher or in some kind of care role or they've been a host family um, before so they're aware of, the, of what might come up but nevertheless um, we have our native speakers and if we feel there's some specific knowledge that we would like to or specific support that we need we will put the homestay in or the guardian in touch with the native speaker and that's actually a relationship that will carry on all the way through um, a child's guardianship and so with the different measures we put in place there is an induction but the induction is not just the, the formal induction that we have when a person starts it yeah. carries on and we have annual training as well with our mm -hmm. safeguarding lead and with our guardians together talking about questions that arise um, mm -hmm. because in discussion we can share we can share so much yes I, I have thought of another question and that is that um, whether you take uh, siblings uh, whether families take more than one child, whether they take them only from the same um, country or they may be mixed countries, mm. how does that work? No, that's a really good question. Yes, for mm. siblings, we, we, we do take siblings and we, we always encourage siblings to be together. Sometimes we're a little challenged when parents will put the siblings in two very different cities or locations. So trying to bring them together can be a little challenging, but we try, we try as much as possible to do that. And, uh, and so long as children are within a sort of 70, 100 miles sort of distance, so it's not more than an hour and a half for one child to get to the homestay family, we will probably do that. But we'll review that. It depends, you know, how long the exit is and, and this kind of thing. So yes, we absolutely do take, do take siblings. Um, and in terms of nationalities within a house, um, we would usually just have one of one nationality in the house. And this, this is rather nice uh, because then if there are two or, three, two or three children, they're from different countries, different experiences, that, that is, that's lovely. And it brings children out and they have a lovely time. Um, however, we, if we have a child who is specifically requesting that they could go with a friend then recognizing the fact that their education comes mainly from the school their english speaking experience comes mainly from the school if they do decide that they want to go together to a homestay family because that's where we want them to relax and have some downtime we we will put them in the family but we do have little rules like at the at the dinner table they will be speaking in english when they're in the in the presence of the host or their family they will be speaking in english English. So um, our, our general rule of thumb is they will not be with a child um, of the same nationality or same language, uh, language uh, background. But if it's requested and we think it's a reasonable request, then we will absolutely manage that. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Well, um, is there anything else that I have perhaps glossed over or you'd like to add? 
Felicity, I think you've asked lots of lots of lovely questions. <laughs> and um, no, I don't think so. I think that thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to speak and to share things with you. It's been lovely. Yes, great. Uh, well, now um, we will uh, wrap up and we have a chat session to follow. And I thank you very much indeed for being available for both. Thank you very much for speaking to us. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Felicity. Thank you.